0: Are you a dragon boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Watersports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon-fiber dragon boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the dragon boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's HornetWaterSports.com and enter the code PINK. Thanks for listening. On this episode, Sharon Hart, a 10-year breast cancer survivor from Middletown, Delaware, joined us on the podcast to share her journey. Sharon talked about her diagnosis, her treatments, and reconstructive complications, as well as dealing with a doctor that lacked bedside manners. She also shared the tools that she used to help her cope with her cancer. Take a listen in as Sharon shares her story. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Sharon. Sharon is a 12-year breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed in August of 2007 at the age of 36. She is from Middletown, Delaware. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today, Sharon. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so I shared a little bit about your, uh, you know, when you were diagnosed, how old you were, were when you were diagnosed, but tell me a little bit about your story. How did all of this come about for you?
1: uh pretty kind of it was a strange thing i mean probably like most people i didn't do breast you know self breast exams i went to my doctor yearly um but i am a member of the delaware city fire company ladies auxiliary and i had a meeting that night and on the way home i had a pain on my left side and kind of felt it and was like oh i think i have a lump there and came home, and my sister was there, and we went back into the bedroom. Like, do you feel something? And she did, and you know, kind of thought, all right, well, I'm gonna have to get that checked. And to do it immediately, know kind of no, no, this it was like a um, late night. You know, I didn't get home until eight o'clock, and I was like, eh, nobody's open. I'll call them tomorrow and figure it out. And um,
0: but the first thing in your mind was not cancer or did you, what did that cross your mind at all?
1: You know, I, I, I have to say, I think I'm kind of an oddball because if it did, it wasn't like a, Oh my gosh, I can't sleep. I, you know, what is this? It was, I can't do anything about it right now. Don't worry. Just, you know, we're going to have to take it as it comes. And ironic, I mean, not ironically, but funny thing is, is the next day, um, my kids were seven and four. So we had plans to go to one of those fun inside gyms. And I went and thought, well, I'll call once I get down there. Totally forgot. My mom had asked me if I had called the doctor. I'm like, oh, oops, I kind (laughs) of forgot. And she's, you know, the worrisome. And so then, you know, I told her I will the next day because they were, you know, they were going to be closed. And I don't think I was doing it because of fear. I think it was just I was going about my business and doing what I had to do. Um, so the next day I did call, uh, I called my family doctor and told them that I had a lump and was wanting to know if I could get checked out. Actually, I didn't call them. I went over to their office thinking that, you know, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't Let take me long in. for them to do it. Yeah. And they had nothing. It was like in the morning and they said, our first appointment is at two thirty. And I'm thinking, how long does this take for them to check? Like, yeah. okay, Can now I'm here. Can you just touch my boob? Yeah, exactly. So I called my OB and, you know, they basically had said, we don't have an opening, but if you want to come over, you know, we can squeeze you in and, you know, we can go from there. I said, I'm on my way. So
0: So I went there. So I just want to pause real quick because I think it's, I think it's really interesting, like, in terms of who people call when they Mm -hmm. find a lump, um, you know, or, you know, just, or if there's pain or if there's just discharge, whatever it might be. So, you know, some people call their family doctor. I didn't even think about that. Like the first person I called was my gynecologist. Cause I thought, yeah, you know, my breasts, you know, I right. I didn't really right. want my family doctor, you know, touching me. Right. Um, right. You know, so it's, I always kind of find it interesting who people call. Um, and I first. think I
1: went there because they were closer. Okay. So I knew that I could like drive over there and was like, you know what? They can squeeze me in. Right. But obviously they didn't. So I went to the Obey and it was a nurse practitioner that was, um, that was working that day was extremely happy with her because they saw me pretty quickly went into the room and she said, don't tell me where it is. I want to do an exam and I want to see, you know, if I could find it. Oh, I
0: like that
1: yeah I mean so, really like yeah yeah because most so, most people
0: are like you know just tell me where it is tell me where it hurts yeah. yeah
1: yeah so she basically had me lay down and she had me um lean forward and she you know pointed it out and was like it's on your left side and is it right here and I'm like yep it sure is and she felt around and it's funny by uh, some of the other podcasts that you've had um they saw it and she was like, yeah, I think it's probably a cyst. Um, and it's probably best case scenario is it's a fluid filled cyst and, you know, we would just drain it and then, you know, see how that goes. And if it's not, then, you know, we'll have to take care of, you know, do other circumstances, but let's get an ultrasound first to just kind of see. And if that's the case, like in her mind, no worries at all. She's like, no, I think it's, you know, I think you're going to be okay. And she sent me right over to get an ultrasound, which was right in the same building.
0: So, it happened the same day you were able to get oh, the ultrasound? Oh, yeah. My, oh, wow.
1: My my situation is very, like, you know, crazy. Because um, we did the ultrasound. And um, the it was funny because when I went in there, they had a new system. So, they were trying. I was kind of like the guinea pig. They had um, the person that was setting up the machine there to kind of instruct the other person, you know, how to use it and what they were, what they were doing. And I'm a dental hygienist. So x-rays, not that I know everything I'm looking at, but I kept looking to see what's going on. And again, when I was there, they didn't want me to tell them, you know, where it was at. Um, they had kind of, well, I guess they marked an area and then they looked at it and, It was questionable, and another person came in. And so, from there, they said, We want to get a mammogram on that. And it was right in the same office. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's really convenient. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I went from um, there to getting changed to do the mammogram. And as I was sitting there, um, across the way was this room. And I kept seeing these women go in this room and I was like, Oh, that must be the room that must be where they tell them. And I was like, huh? All right, well, whatever. So I go and I get my mammogram and it was the first one, obviously, cause I was 36 and I asked if I could see it as well. And my left one had, um, a lot of the, um, scattered like white areas all over. I was like, huh? that doesn't really look good I know, in comparison to the right one. Yeah. The white,
0: like the white little speckled dots. Yeah. That almost looks like like somebody threw not so sparkly glitter on it.
1: Right. Exactly. So they told me to go and, you know, get changed. And I sat there and of course, unlike all the others, when they were like, okay, everything's good. You can go. They said, Sharon, we need to, um, the radiologist wants to speak to you. And I was like, yep here it comes. Here it comes. So I think, I think mentally I was kind of already prepared, you know. Um, and I walked in and they introduced me to the nurse and to the radiologist and they said, yeah, we looked at your mammogram and, um, we do suspect that you have some malignancy there. And I was like, okay. And he looked at me and he was like, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And he was like, You did hear what I said. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I told him, I said, you know what? I'm young. We got to get it out. Do what we got to do. I'm okay. And he was like, okay. So was this,
0: I'm curious, was this the room that you... No, said, oh, so oh, oh, the next different room.
1: room, yeah, so they said, let's take you into this room, because the next step was like, you know, talking about the different types of um, biopsies, and so I went with the nurse, and lo and behold, I was like, yep, there's the room, I'm in that room, so she sat there and kind of explained to me the different types of, you know, biopsies, and that they wanted to do a core biopsy and um, what the procedure was and she says and it just so happens that we do have a doctor that is available to do the biopsy today would you be interested in doing it i oh my like, gosh yep sure would so
0: everything really just kind of aligned that you were able oh, to get yeah. all that stuff done
1: yes so um went into the room and I was by myself and I really, you know, she, the nurse was asking me if there was anybody that I wanted to call or if I wanted to, you know, let them know. And me personally, I did not want anyone with me because I was listening to what they were saying versus if I had someone with me, I was going to be more nervous on what their reaction was going to be. So I was okay with being by myself and I knew that my kids were taken care of and I wouldn't have to take another day. And, you know, so I went in and she explained the process and, um, we did the core biopsy and, um, I pretty much closed up the office and left with my ACE bandage around. And the next day we were doing a, um, overnight camping trip at a a baseball field, um, a minor league baseball field with the cub scouts i'm like yep i'm still going everything is fine and uh on the way home i had told you know my sister what was going on she's a nurse and uh said i'm not really sure what's going on what's happening so at that time you didn't
0: have the definitive diagnosis like they didn't at that point tell you okay Mm -mm, okay so when you went um, in they did the mammogram they did the ultrasound they said there's potentially a malignancy Um, and then did the, the biopsy. First of all, I think it's fascinating one that you were able to get all of those things done at one time. Um, because I, that rarely happens, um, for anyone. And then the other thing too, that I find interesting is that, um, so very, very similar to you. I, I didn't really tell anybody what was going on when I, um, found my lump. Like I never told anybody, um, you know, when I was going to get the mammogram or, um, the ultrasound, but the point where I had to get the biopsy was the point where they told me I did, I wasn't given a choice. Somebody had to be there with me. Oh, okay. Um, so it's okay. kind of interesting that, you know, it would be different, um, you know, that they weren't pressing for somebody to be there with you.
1: Right. But- well, and it was funny cause after it was done, um, I was really shaking. And the nurse, um, was nervous and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, it is just so cold in this room. And she, she thought I was having an allergic reaction to,
0: oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> to the numbing. And I was like, no, I said, I just think it's like emotions and it's really cold in here. And so, but no, I mean that, that was fine. Um, and that was, I actually prepared myself cause I, my memory, is absolutely horrible, horrible anymore. Um, but anyway, that was the ninth that I had all that done. And then the August 13th is when I had the results. Um, so did they call you? Did they have you? No, come in? they, they had me come in. So I was very, cause many of your podcasts I'm hearing that, you know, yes. you heard it over the phone and I'm like, Oh my gosh, yeah. So we did, we went into the office and, um,
0: Oh, for that one, they had, did tell you that you had to have somebody with you or
1: no, no, my husband you just, just okay. he, he just came with me. And, okay. uh, again, it was funny because she had told me, you know, definitely she had told me that I had stage one, but it was, it was weird that I saw stage two on the paper. Um, but she said that it was stage two and all I kept hearing was malignant and something in, in situ and. And that I needed, you know, a full mastectomy and, um, we were going to get an MRI and have the, um, consult for the plastic surgeon, do the multi pl- multidisciplinary meeting, blah, blah, blah. Like it was so overwhelming. And I looked over yeah. at my husband and he was as white as a ghost. Aww. Like his reaction was more upsetting to me, um, than actually getting the diagnosis. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, this is, this is rough. And so she was, she had, the doctor had everything planned. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, this is moving way too fast for me. Like I'm a hygienist and you have all of these things planned. Like I have to cancel patients. I have to do this. And, and she stopped me right there and said, here's the thing you now have to live for yourself and you need to do these things and for younger um, younger patients we move quickly yeah for older patients we need to move slower right and yeah. i was like oh, for younger
0: women it tends to be more aggressive it grows faster yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah and i was like oh okay well then keep all those appointments and I'll do (laughs) what I need to do and let's move on. So, um, the, uh, the next day I had an MRI the day after that we had a consult with the plastic surgeon. Um, and she had, you know, kind of talked to me about the process and things like that. And, and I had wanted to do a second opinion And this is one thing that I definitely want to stress to people: that do not be afraid to get a second opinion. Absolutely. Um, The doctor herself, the plastic surgeon, had said, "I fully agree with that." And any doctor that goes against that, you should you should reconsider using them.
0: Right. Um, Yeah, and I think um, I'm gonna just stop right there, just because I think that you make a really valid point that, you know, sometimes, well, first we're so overwhelmed with the information and sometimes we're just in that survival mode and it's just do whatever I can as fast as I can get this out of my body. And so we don't always necessarily think about getting a second opinion. The other part of that too, is that there, sometimes I was guilty of this, you know, you don't want to offend somebody, you know, you don't want to suggests that you're questioning anybody's expertise or their right. capabilities or things like that. So, you know, some people don't get a second opinion, um, right. you know, but I, yeah, exactly what you said, like, don't be afraid. It is okay to get a second opinion. And, yeah. you know, I would highly encourage it as well.
1: Yeah. And that, that, like I said, she was for it. And so I, I was, I was glad that she had said that. And then, The next day, um, it was the multidisciplinary meeting, uh, is what they call it, which is with an oncologist and a radiologist and the surgeon.
0: And were you there? Yeah. was that? Mm -hmm. Oh, really?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Fascinating. So, we went to, um, here it's called the Helen Graham Center, and that's where it was at. And it was funny, because I remember them coming in, it was the the radiologist and the oncologist and they're like having a conversation and just doing a bit bu- their business and i looked at them and i went can you see me here <laughs> because they did not introduce themselves they didn't do anything and they were like oh my gosh we're so sorry well long story short they were like double booked that day and i think they were just a little beside themselves with that and they apologized it was you know it yeah. wasn't a big deal but <laughs> we went into the room and Um, kind of did all the discussion. I did have my sister with me, which is another point that I strongly suggest is that you either have a tape recorder or you have another set of ears because there were many a times that something was discussed with me that I did not even remember them discussing. And my sister or my husband would say, no, this is what they said. And I'm like, huh, yes, all (laughs) righty. So, after the meeting was over, she, um, my surgeon had said, um, you know, okay, we're going to schedule this and this is when it's going to be. And I went, um, well, we can't schedule it because I have a second opinion for my plastic surgeon. And remember prior to this, I said, any doctor that is against a second opinion, you should think twice about. Yeah. Um, she was very um taken back that i did not trust and it wasn't trust but that i didn't take the doctors that she she was suggesting um moving forward and so i continued you know and i was like she you know she ended with well you can call me when you're finished then and we'll we'll set that up i'm okay. like
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so
1: yeah and um that so we went for the second opinion and that was um where my from this day I consider her my guardian angel cuz she just was there for me every step of the way for support um for calmness for anything. And I think that's one thing that you definitely have to feel with your doctor is that you feel security with them. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. (laughs) So she, she's the one that had actually mentioned to me about a double mastectomy. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that that was an option. And she said, actually it is because it would be considered preventative, but it's not something that I'm saying for you to do. I just wanted you to be aware of that. Right. Um, and giving all the
0: options, like here are your options. Yes. It may not be right for you, but here's your options.
1: Yep. And so I I had kind of thought about it and I definitely, you know, went with her and, you know, so my surgeon, they had set up a time and everything of what was going on. And, um, I did get the genetic testing and and we knew that positive or negative. That was negative. Okay. And, um, We weren't going to get the results back until after the surgery. And I was fine with that um, because I was getting a double mastectomy anyway. That's what my choice was. Um, So September 10th is when I had my pre-op because my surgery was scheduled for September 14th. And I went in and we did the pre-op. We went over everything. I, you know, she knew that I was doing the double mastectomy. All was good. And that night I get a phone call. And it's from my doctor. And I'm like, hello? And she basically, in a nutshell, was second-guessing my, my decision. And she said, I'm just going over the records, and I'm just curious as to why you're doing a double mastectomy.
0: And this was the that, second opinion, doctor? No, this was this my surgeon.
1: A, oh, this, this is was the surgeon a- that was questioning why I was even getting a second opinion for the plastic yeah, surgeon. okay. And... I said, I, I don't this understand what your question is. And she says, well, you have a perfectly good breast on the other side, and I think that you're being very aggressive by going the double mastectomy. And I kind of questioned, like, but I don't want to have to worry about possibly going through this again. Well, I just really think that this is really aggressive. And I'm thinking to myself, why is she doing this to me? Well, and especially the night before... Yeah. I'm like, I have four days before my, before my surgery. Why is she doing this? And I hung up and I was very upset and I was trying to look at the positive and I was like, wow, she's really good. She's doing this to make sure that this is definitely what I want. She's making sure she's, she's putting on the thought process of like, are you sure this is what you want to do? That's not why she was doing it, but it made me feel better anyway. And, um, I questioned her doing the surgery because of her questioning me. Um, very good surgeon, but, uh, bedside manner, zero. So not, so you still used her, I did still use her, I did still use her. She did end up calling me and apologizing to me, um, for upsetting me and for questioning. She said, you know, she really didn't mean for it to go that far, um, or in that direction. Um, so September 14th was the surgery. Um, I didn't see her the day of the surgery. I saw my plastic surgeon. She came in and was by my side before I went in, said that she was going to be with me, you know, during the surgery. Um, and after the surgery, I did not see my surgeon, um, and come to find out my family, did not hear anything while they were sitting out there Wow! Uh, un- until a plastic surgeon came. and um, That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so at my, September 24th was the results and um, my husband and my mom had gone with me. And I apologize if this is a long story. It's just, it's kind of so the the results for the BRCA or the genetic mutation.
0: Is that what the results were for or?
1: No, the results were, they, they had me go back for after the surgery to Mm -hmm. kind of go over the lymph nodes, you know, like what she found and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, So when we went back, it was September 24th and um, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm in the dental field. So I kind of know mistakes can happen. We went to the office and I checked in, said who I was checking in for. And we sat out there for like 45 minutes. And I finally went to the window and I said, I'm not really sure like how much longer it's going to be. And they went, Oh, she's not even at this office today. (laughs) And I'm going, okay. She goes, well, we'll reschedule. And I went, no, actually we won't reschedule. I will be heading to her other office because this is not something that I can wait another 10 days for. Right. So my husband and I drove up to her other office and we went in and, you know, I expressed, cause I know that as a doctor, sometimes you don't know what's going on in the front. And I said, this is just something that really should not happen. This is a big mistake you know, and I said, I'm okay with it. I was able to come to the other office. Um, and she went over, you know, everything. And basically, um, three of the 16 lymph nodes, um, were positive. Um, she had said that it wasn't invasive. Um, the tumor was big, but the cancer size, the cancer in the tumor was about three and a half centimeters. Okay. And that the treatment would be chemo and radiation.
0: So when you did the mastectomy, did you um, do reconstruction? And if you did, what did you opt for?
1: I did reconstruction the same time as the surgery. So that's why the plastic surgeon was there at the same time. Um, So as soon as the mastectomy was done, the plastic surgeon had come in and um, she did expanders. She placed expanders then. Okay. Um, so we had that in, um, and at that office, at that office visit, you know, it was just constructive criticism that I had asked her why, you know, I was a little disappointed that she never came out to my family to say how things were going. And she said to me that, well, your sister is a nurse and she, um, was checking in. And I said, but that's not my sister's responsibility to go out there. My sister was in a, where I'm talking about is I was in the hospital and there's a surgery center that my sister was working at. So it wasn't the same office. Um, And she basically looked at me and she said, I can see that I can't seem to please you. So I will be more than happy to um, give you a reference of another doctor. Wow. And I said, No, I will find my own. So I think we both kind of fired each other right then. Yeah. <laughs> so. And sometimes it, and sometimes that happens.
0: Like sometimes it's yeah. not a good fit. And right. um, you know, I had the I had a similar experience with a medical oncologist. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate the way that um he treated me. Not that he treated me badly, um, right. but I didn't like the way that he treated me and you know, I didn't like the way that he minimized certain things. Um right. And at one point, he just kind of said to me, you know, you have to stop believing that every little ache and pain is cancer. Right. And I was like, ah, uh, I
1: feel like I'm done here. Yep. <laughs> and moving and you on. you totally have to go with your gut. And Absolutely. That, you know, I mean, what what she did, the part that was the important part, you know, was over. So I really didn't need a doctor any longer. Um, but it was, you know, it was definitely an eye opener. Sure. Um, for that. So I, um, so I had the procedure and all went well. Um, the drains and everything. And, um, the reconstruction part, um, I'd gone in to get the drains checked and I had what I call a blue nipple and it was a little bubble. And I was like, I don't really know what that is. And the, um, my plastic surgeon had basically informed you know, had explained to me the methane blue that they use to test the lymph nodes. The lymph nodes, yeah. That um it's basically toxic to your skin. And depending on how much they use and where it's at, um, it goes through your bloodstream and goes out your body. Well, yes. this particular piece came right to my left breast. Oh wow. And so very long story short, um, I think that I must, well, I know I went through all of the reconstructive processes except for the tram (laughs) because I ended up, um, losing the expander. Um, and again, the plastic surgeon, she, she did everything because it wasn't, it wasn't, um, closing up. Okay. It kept, it kept leaking. Um, the, the sutures weren't staying, um, and she just, I mean, she really tried her hardest and, um. So you did the, did you
0: do the latissimus flap?
1: Yes, but I ended up having to take the expander out because I did the, um, I did the surgery and then, um, October October 17th was my first chemo day and I ended up doing the 16 week cycle. Okay. So I had treatments every two weeks. Um, the first four weeks were the Adriamycin and the Cytoxin. And then the last four weeks was the Taxol. And so in between that time, um, I was still doing the, the fills for the expanders and trying to get it to close um and still going on you know about everything um and then after before i lost my expander the le- the taxol i was supposed to get four treatments of that um the first treatment was december 12th and i had like a coughing fit and um didn't think anything of it Uh, The next treatment was January third and I had like a sneezing red rash later that night and I was itchy all over. Were you Um, allergic? That's what it ended up. The the January sixteenth, the doctor had said pretty much I'm allergic to the taxol and the risk is overweighing the outweighing the benefit. Oh wow. And that there was studies saying that with my age and you know that um You'll be fine with not getting the last treatment. Kind of bittersweet because in your mind you're like, "What if there's that one cancer cell sure. that like the taxol wasn't getting?" Um, so I didn't, you know, I didn't have that uh, last one, and chemo was done. Um, Radiation—they didn't want to wait any longer till the end of February um, with all of the healing. Right. My first radiation treatment was not until May thirteenth. Wow, but they had so, to. I mean, they had to wait
0: until it was closed. I can't imagine yes. trying to, you know, yeah. irradiate skin that hasn't properly closed or healed.
1: Right, and yeah. that's you know the the radiation oncologist was. Um, he, you know, I mean he he was a great guy too. I mean we had a lot of fun. He was a great, um, great doctor and very patient. And I was kind of on that, I was kind of teetering um, is what they had told me because the amount of lymph nodes that were affected, it's usually five that they do radiation. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it was because of the size and my age that they chose to do the radiation. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: it's that taking a look at, you know, everybody's different. You know, sometimes yeah. we don't anticipate to go in for radiation and then... You know, it's a surprise. Um, right. So in terms of like the, so you had the expanders in, did you have the final um, reconstruction after the radiation? Is that what happened?
1: Yeah. My my last treatment was um, June 26th and uh, September 10th, I had the expander placed again and that's when they did the dorsal flap. Okay. Um. And then, and in between that time, I, in between that time when I didn't have the expander, I had to use the prosthesis. Right. So I was like, yeah, if anybody wants to know anything about the processes, (laughs) just give me a call. I've gone through it all. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. Um, Yeah. So so have you had any
1: kind of exchanges or anything at this point? Um, Was there any need for that? No, December 3rd was when they took the expanders out and they did the. The implants okay. and um, it's been 10 years, okay. and um, everything has been fine. I mean, that I go back, so I still go back, yeah, I still go back for the checks, and everything is good. Um, okay. And um, yeah, I, I can't, again, as people say, it's your own decision. Absolutely, um, absolutely. My husband and I had a big our whole attitude with this was, um, after it was said and done, it was like, well, during the process, it was to cope is to joke. And we did find a lot of humor in a lot of things going through the process. Um, right.
0: And I think I, you have to,
1: right. Like yeah. it's
0: finding whatever coping mechanism works for you, you know, cause not everybody, yeah. you know, not humor humor doesn't work for everybody but finding no. whatever that coping mechanism is is very and I important found,
1: i found um and that's where the book came into play because journaling was a huge release for me right um, and the book that you're kinda, talking about
0: is becoming part of the ribbon your personal yes. journey my personal journey yeah
1: but yours right <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah and a lot of other when people read it it's just like wait a minute yep i know what she's talking about exactly um So, yeah, it wasn't, you know, it's not a bestseller. It's not anything. It's just it was kind of my diary that I was sending to all of my friends. And so many people had said, you should really put this in book format because it would really help a lot of people out because I was very open about everything. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. And I'm glad you sent me a copy. I think it was because, well, I'm glad, honestly, I'm glad that I did because I wouldn't have known all these dates. I was like, all right, I got to go back and see what what the dates were. But um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it it was definitely a process and we had joked because we were like, oh my gosh, when would you ever think that you're going to sit here and question nipples or no nipples? Hmm. Yeah you get a choice in that. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: And that's, and that's the whole thing. You know, what we really want to convey through the podcast is, you know, everybody's story is different. Um, Everybody's journey is, you know, not the same. Um, You know, not everybody makes the same choice and there's no right or wrong. It's really about, you know, what it is personally for you. So Um, but I want to, I want to thank you so much for being willing to come on to the podcast for reaching out and, um, you know, connecting with me. I think that your story will certainly help, you know, our listeners. Um, and I have no doubt that there are going to be people that are like, yes, I totally had that same experience. Um,
1: it, it is the, the, the people that you run into and that you meet is amazing. And it's another thing that, um. I'm sure that you found it helpful that when you talk to family members that haven't gone through it, it's not that, it's not that you don't have a conversation with them. It's just so different when you can talk to someone and they're like, oh my gosh, I felt the same thing. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I did that same thing. It was very, very helpful. Right. There's a, there's many of us out there and your podcast definitely um, is great to listen to. So I I appreciate you. you doing this as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com.
1: Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.